0: you are listening to the critical mass radio show
1: orange county's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to ceos who are leading middle market companies with your host richard franzi
0: hello and welcome to orange county's longest running business talk show and yes i am your host rick franzi and boy am i excited to be here today why do you ask because our guest greg harrigan is here greg is the president of market share growth advisors greg welcome to the program
1: delighted to be here rick so glad to have this opportunity
0: yeah i I love talking to entrepreneurs here in southern california and especially when i get a founder on the show we get to talk about that origin story you know what were you thinking about but no really take (laughs) us back in time and sort of lead up to the inspiration and then the motivation for you to start market share growth advisors.
1: What was I thinking? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, quick background, motivation, and then there is an inspiration in there. Um, 25 years in corporate sales management, started out with Comcast in Orange County. I was head of sales at the Outdoor Channel for 10 years and then ended up being the chief revenue officer for a company in Atlanta. It's about a $100 million company. Um, Those last two companies, I participated in selling those companies and the last company where I was was chief revenue officer, about a hundred million dollar company, it was PE owned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was definitely I came in and it was fix it and turn it around and, and dispose of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a nice corporate career. Um, we sold that company in Atlanta. The deal closed in June of 2019. Um, I was working real hard for those private equity guys. And I I made just a tiny little bit of money on the transaction. I decided to take the rest of 2019 off. I said, you know what? I deserve a break. I've been working really hard. <laughs> right. And so my plan and and you know how to make God laugh is tell him your plan, right? So I I took off the rest of 19. I said, oh, I'll enjoy the holidays. And then in January of 2020, I'll start my job search and I'll go get another head of sales yeah. job. There you go. Which, you know, as timing was just awesome, right? So um, you know, February 2020, all hell's breaking loose and that plan kind of falls apart. And and in a way it was a blessing because, you know, it, it forced me to spend a little more time uh, thinking about my life than I had really honestly intended to. Um, and, you know, as part of that process, I sort of reflected on where I'd been over the last 25 years. And, um, you know, it was a nice climb up the corporate ladder, but I paid the price in terms of time and travel. I was often on an airplane 40 weeks a year. Um, and had a lot of responsibility and you know sort of PNL um, pressure. Um, and I had this imaginary conversation with myself where I was talking to that guru at the top of the mountain. You know those cartoons where the guy climbs a mountain and there's always a guru <laughs> on top. Yes. So so I, I I said okay I've climbed this corporate mountain. I made it to chief. I made it to the sea level, and uh, I get to the top of the mountain. My imaginary guru and I ask um, him what was this all about? What what does this all mean? And the guru says back to me, well, I don't know, you climbed the mountain, right? And it was mm-hmm. just sort of, and I, I guess I kind of, and that's a, a funny way of just saying, I sort of had this epiphany that I just didn't want to be captive to my autobiography anymore. I didn't feel wow. like I have to, I have to just go get another corporate job. And um, so that was the motivation was I realized I'd come to the end of my run uh, in corporate. Um, and my inspiration was my father. Uh, my father was an executive at Fleur for 30 years, which used to be in Irvine, mm-hmm. uh, which is how I ended up in California. Cause my dad was a California guy and he worked at Fleur for 30 years. Um, and when his time came to the end there, he started a whole second business and he founded a, a successful, uh, financial advisor firm that he worked at until he was 80 and then he sold it. So I had sort of this example in my life of, my father going through a corporate career and then pivoting to entrepreneurship. And so I just decided I would take the plunge. I came across Sales Acceleration, which I'm a licensee of, and that's an organization that helps later career guys like me pivot. But it was really a pivot. I mean, I kind of stepped off into the dark to a certain extent, Uh, but I'm glad I did.
0: Yeah, I uh, loved your story, frankly, it, it, partly because you told it well, and partly because I uh, could resonate with it, having had a multi, you know, 20-some year corporate career. At some point in that world, after you've achieved what you perceived you have always wanted to, you have to ask yourself what's next. And uh, it's different, though, building a successful entrepreneurial firm than climbing the corporate ladder, isn't it, Greg?
1: It was um, a, a huge learning experience. It has been a huge learning experience. Um, I think it's been humbling. Um, yes. I, you know, I thought, well, I'm this big corporate sales. <laughs> How hard can it be providing, uh, you know, consulting services to small and medium-sized businesses in the sales category? And, you know, I mean, I didn't entirely think that, but I thought I, I could do it. And, you know, it's it's a different world. It's a different set of customers. Um, you realize pretty quickly how much you have to learn. Um, you have to get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. Um, when I started, you know, let's be honest, in my corporate career, I had people, I had p- things done for me. Um, and when I started my own entrepreneurial organization and I realized, wow, I'm doing everything and I'm having to do new stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's it was, now it's fun. but, but, and I have to say, I mean, it was challenging at first, but it was invigorating. I mean, I do feel rejuvenated to a certain extent and I've learned an awful lot. Um, and I've just, I've just gotten comfortable being uncomfortable.
0: It's It's amazing to me when I look back on my career and others such as yourself, how much responsibility corporate America puts on 30 and 40 year olds. Right. And then you hit 50 and they start to think that you can't be as trusted as you were. or You're too expensive or you're whatever. It's, it's, it's when you've had all this collective experience that you should be even more valuable that the, the worm does turn to some degree. And I think that's that's to the benefit of middle market and entrepreneurial organizations, because they pick up talented people like yourself and myself to yeah. do another chapter of our careers. huh? hundred percent. So, did you pivot much from the early days? I mean, I know you know you sort of knew what you wanted to do, but once you got in the game and started talking to prospects and figuring out who would value you as, you know, a sales revenue expert, I mean, did you have to pivot? Sure.
1: I think it's adjusting to a different market. the The SMB space is very different from where I was in the enterprise space, um, and. I've had to learn when to offer my advice and when to realize that I need to kind of stay in my lane or rein in how much I want to push on a client and and let them come along to the point where they're ready for the next thing. Um, That's been interesting. Uh, It's been an exercise in diplomacy and and, and what can be done um, to some extent. you know, uh, for myself being a driver, it's just also accepting less than perfect and just making progress with people um, and realizing that's okay.
0: So many in the audience may know of the organization Sales Acceleration. It's a it's a good brand. It's a recognized name. And I, I love the tools that they provide to you as a consultant and advisor. I, I'm wondering, tell me specifically, Greg, who, who are you helping? What problems are you solving? Sure. And you know, kind of why are they picking Greg Harrigan over some other guy or lady? Like. God knows.
1: Um, <laughs> okay. You no, know, who am I serving? So it's it's SMB space. Probably two to fifty million in revenue is probably a good place for me. Um, startups are maybe just not quite ready to hire a fractional sales leader. Right. Um, and it's really uh, for me the key filter is B 2 B. Uh, so I'm I'm really, I create most value when I'm working with salespeople and organizations that are using salespeople. Um, and other than that, um, surprisingly, it's it's really any category. And I found even in my practice, any geography, uh, I've actually got some remote clients back east where it's working really well. Um, so people have a tendency to think that you have to have someone's specific experience in their vertical, but really sales as a practice is like law or accounting i mean the principles translate well um and really the last thing rick is that the companies that i can help are where the founders or leaders recognize some kind of sales pain that they're in and they're and they're ready to fix it and and get help
0: it, th- that's a critical aspect of it too because they have to be willing to change or give you some authority to make some decisions on their behalf and uh, I, I, too, work in a similar space to you. The I think it's the lower middle market companies, no disrespect intended, but several million to tens of millions of dollars. And I, I, I've learned there are some very smart, really good people that are running those kind of companies. And many times they haven't been exposed to what you and I might have been able to been exposed to being in the corporate world where the resources were a little more abundant and there was a little bit more investment. And being able to bring some of the discipline and education that we've gotten can really turn the light bulbs on for these folks and truly get them to the next level of business. That it's it's very rewarding. I don't know what your experience is, but that's what I find.
1: No, I I, I love that I'm helping people, um, and you know, you're right. There is a tremendous need in the SMB space for my particular sort of things that I do, are really sales strategy, repeatable processes, and developing people. And leaders of of small to medium-sized businesses don't always have the bandwidth to do those things or the time to really pay attention to them. So it's really when, you know, I can come in and, you know, I'll give you just one very brief example. My client was struggling with some client churn and they didn't really have a key account management strategy in place. And I sat in a management meeting and I just listened to these guys saying, oh man, we're losing this big account. And I was able to come back, hopefully diplomatically, with, have you guys thought about doing sort of XYZ? And these were things that I think you might want to look at doing. And I think it gave them hope moving forward that they can make some changes to resolve those issues. So uh, that was just really nice.
0: Yeah. My experience has been, and you tell me many times in the SMB space the leaders of the companies are good practicing technicians at the service or product that they're endeavoring. But many times they look at their sales force a little bit out of the side of their eye, trying to figure out what do I really have here and how do I really manage and lead the sales group? Because they many times feel different as a different culture or group of people.
1: Salespeople can be a different group of animals to manage, shall we just say. Um, you're right. Um, a lot of the are like engineers or they're
0: passionate about a particular thing, they're great at it. Um, and and a hey, Greg, there's, a, there's a little bit of uh, shuffling or noise or something. I don't know what that might be. Sorry. I was talking okay.
1: papers on my desk. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm sorry, I lost my thread. The salespeople, salespeople,
0: managing them.
1: Yeah, the, the, the entrepreneurs don't necessarily, they're not necessarily, you know, in it for the sales leadership. And so they get to a point where they find they, they really are grateful to have someone to come in and handle the sales function. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, you know, where we provide the value.
0: And I love what you said about a repeatable process, which is sometimes what I find people who don't, who haven't been in sales or really have looked at it. It is a metric driven profession. 100%
1: repeatable and scalable. So, you know, if you're trying to grow your business or if you're trying to exit your business, you know, you don't want the founder to be walking away from the sale with all the accounts, right? You want to have a, a functioning sales function. It builds value for your company um, that you've got, you know, independent processes that are functioning regardless of sitting, who's sitting in the leadership seat.
0: Yeah. Cause that's so important that the, that, that, you know, how you, you know, how much wood does the wood chuck chuck? <laughs> What do you have to invest to get the, the return? And and that changes with time. It's it's never constant, but it's good at least to have a North Star. Um, we're talking a lot of theory here, and I'm wondering, too, You know, I like to ask my guests if there's a piece of business advice that you could share with my audience, maybe something you've picked up along the way, and you could pay it forward for us today here.
1: <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. It's a really good question because um, when I was in corporate America, you know, we're faced with making tough decisions. And I called up my dad who was, um, you know, had a lot of corporate experience. And I said, dad, how do you make a decision when you don't know what to do? And he laughed and he told me something that I thought was very common sense. And I've, I've lived by it ever since, which he said is you gather all the best information you can at the time and you make the best decision you can with what you know at the time. And most importantly, don't look back. No regrets. Mm. Just make the best decision you can. You've got it, you know, which is always, of course, the cliche is it's better to make a decision than not to make a decision. But really what my dad imparted to me was feel good about the decision you make. You're making the best decision you can and just go ahead and make it.
0: I think that's really powerful because in my experience as well, there are many times when you can no longer wait to make the decision but you know there's probably something you would like to know that you don't know but you can't keep waiting
1: there's no perfect there's no time when you have all all there's no such thing as perfect information so
0: and sometimes you don't really know the solution until you take some action because then you get feedback and you get oh a little more data and then it helps to inform if you're on the right course or not so
1: be action oriented and then make another decision
0: Right. Yeah. Keep moving. Love Absolutely. it. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> All right. So I love to ask my guests about artificial intelligence. And basically, you know, Greg, in your line of work, what are you seeing of the impact of AI? How do you think you might be able to leverage it if you aren't already, or maybe you are? You know, let's just tell me your view on artificial intelligence from your perspective
1: yeah i mean i'm certainly no expert um i have made a point of staying on top of developing tools particularly in my area of practice i'm overwhelmed with the number of tools that are out there in development it reminds me a lot of the internet in about 1999 when there were a lot of players right another thing i'm going to say about how it reminds me of 1999 is i think we're perhaps in a tad of a hype cycle around ai uh-huh. Just a little, um, you know. It's it's large language learning um, that you know these machines are being trained to give the right answers over time through feedback. It's not magic, um, but I, I don't want to sound like a naysayer because it it, it, it provides tremendous um, tools to get you to results quicker. In my particular industry, I see it as working in content development hmm. and what I would call the blank sheet of paper problem. Um, I'm a much better editor than I am a writer, uh, and getting something down on paper, and then I can edit it, I can work with it, I can improve it. So using ChatGTP to just get presentations started, to get materials developed, um, it, it le- it leaps, it's a leap forward kind of tool. And, and I think that if you're in my type of role, that's the way to look at it. Another tool that's out there is called Gong AI. I don't know if you've come across this. No. Well, it's a really interesting tool. One of the things as sales managers, sometimes we have to do is we have to listen to recordings of salespeople interacting with clients. And, you know, it's like you're listening for an hour and you're stopping the tape and you're taking notes. And, you know, I could spend three hours just for the coaching purposes listening to a one-hour tape. What Gong does is it actually can listen to the whole thing for you and just give you statistics like, how much is the client talking versus how much is the salesperson talking? How many keywords were used, and and so forth and so on. So it's it's a really cool shortcut to look at. I mean, I have a client, I have a salesperson in mind, lovely lady, but geez, she talks over her clients like you wouldn't believe. And all I really would have, all I would have need to have known is I would have looked at Gong, and I would have said she's talking 80% of the time, and I would have said okay, that, that's the problem. I don't need to listen to the whole thing. So just you know, little things like that. But, you know, there's my son is and starting out his career in computer science and electrical engineering. He has friends that are in AI, and there's a lot of really young, smart people. And I think it's going to be revolutionary the way AI, the original Internet was. I think it's hard to say where it's going to go, but that's what I'm seeing today for me.
0: Yeah, that's really great insight because there's so much money going into companies and entrepreneurs who have an AI story that something's gonna come of it.
1: Oh, I, I think, you know, if you were putting bets down on, you know, um, search engines in 1999, you would have done Lycos and AltaVista and Yahoo. <laughs> and there was this funny company called Google, right? And yeah. eventually, you know, category leaders are gonna emerge over the next five or 10 years and the tools are gonna to emerge. I think Microsoft is, is gonna be a tremendous player um, and and as you said, there's a tremendous. We're in a whole VC cycle, right? So right. you know the the typical cycle you see in in this is technology is finance, engineering, marketing, and we're we're really kind of in the finance slash engineering phase right now. So we'll see what comes out.
0: Thank you for sharing. Gong is that G O N G dot AI? Is that it? G
1: O N G dot AI. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I've got a I've got a homework project when the show's over, Greg. So thank you for giving me. I'm curious now to check that out. So that's that's how that's how we learn from our peers. Uh, let's talk about tomorrow. Where, where are you taking market share growth advisors? You'll be back on the show at some point in the future. What's going to be bigger, brighter, different?
1: I think this fractional thing is really taking off. Um, you know, I think I think there's a fractional future for businesses. Um, it, it started out with, you know, a lot of people outsourcing. Um, financial, in particular, is, is still a thing today. But I think companies, like you said, you know, um, there's a lot of smart people out there that you can come in for the right amount of work and at the right price for your companies to move your company forward. Um, you know, I don't stay with companies forever. Um, and, you know, it's a way for entrepreneurs to access more talent than maybe they thought they could because they're thinking in terms of full-time salaries where, you know, you can just identify who's right for you and and what you need um, and access that talent. So I, I think it's a model and I'm, I'm seeing people piling into it from the provider side. And I think more and more businesses are starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a supply and demand thing, huh? Yeah, as as the boomers and now maybe Gen X are moving towards that stage, there's a lot of deep experience that's available at a fraction of what you would have had to pay him if you had them full time, which is, to your point, I think a great utilization. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, and I think business, businesses are learning how to work with fractional people. Because it's a businesses
1: that run on fractional teams. They they bring in a fractional to sit fit three or four different seats.
0: Mm-hmm. This is great. You you're a great guest. I'm glad we have you on the program. I want to I want to thank my peers in San Diego for making the introduction. I think Brad was the one who said you and I yeah. should get together. So thank you, Brad, for the introduction to Greg. All right. So if someone wants to reach out to you, learn more about you and Market Share Growth Advisors. How do they do that on LinkedIn? And maybe what's another platform where they can go to learn more about you?
1: Well, Greg Harrigan. Fortunately, if you type that into uh, LinkedIn, it's an unusual enough name. There are too many okay. of me. So you should just be able to find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. I'm not, you know, John Smith. Um, and then I think you can look go to Sales Acceleration. I'm part of the Sales Acceleration Network. So if you went there, you could easily find me. Um, those are probably the best two ways.
0: Well, I want to thank you for giving us your time and being a guest on the program, Greg. I The time has flown by, frankly, and I've really enjoyed it. Thanks.
1: It's been really a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: I'd like to thank the audience. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Greg's show is now a part of our archives with over 1,400 interviews that we've done over the years. If you happen to be an Orange County business leader, executive, or a nonprofit, and you would like to share your story with our audience, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick. R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. Coincidentally, that's also our company's website, rickfranzi.com. And uh, let us know your interest. And Haley, our producer, and me will be happy to talk with you about the show and get you scheduled on a future episode. And until we all have a chance to be together again, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.